What's up, y'all? This is Jason. Hey, it's Josh. Welcome to season three. Say that to say this. What's up, y'all? It is Jason. Welcome to Say That to Say This. My co-host, who is normally with me, is not with me today, but please don't worry because we have somebody that really, he's going to overfill those shoes, man. So I'm happy to have my guy with me, Jason McCall. Y'all to get to learn more about him. How you feeling, man? Man, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. You know, they got the Jasons together, so you already know. You know, it would have been JJJ. That would have been cool. Josh, come on, man. You know, it's cool, man. Y'all, this... <laughs> Josh let us down from time to time. It's still a lot of love, though. <laughs> no doubt. But yeah, man. So, Jason, just tell the people a little bit about your role here at Mission St. Louis, what you do, how you got involved. Yeah. Uh, just quickly into it, uh, I'm Jason McCall. I am the Director of Workforce Programs here at Mission St. Louis, working with the Beyond Jobs team and all that that entails, which, quick secret, it entails everything. So whatever it is that we got to do, uh, we go ahead and do a little bit just about me as a whole. I'm a family man. You know, I spend a lot of my time with my family, making sure everything goes together. I'm a lifelong educator and in education, uh, earned my doctorate, finishing my second one right now, which should be done in May. I don't even think we talked about that. So just really excited to be here and continuing to, you know, work with the team and make things happen. Jason didn't talk much about his pastoral position and, you know, oh, okay. Let's theological go there. education. It's the context. You know I mean? It's the context. <laughs> but it's there. It's there. Yeah, I serve as assistant pastor at my church, True Fellowship in Madison, Illinois. So it's about 20 minutes away from where we are right now at Mission St. Louis uh, doing a lot of work there. I've been there for about 15 years or so. And then my uh, two doctorate degrees, uh, both from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. So needless to say, I have a lot of experiences. <laughs> for been to school. Let's a lot of experiences. School. A lot of school. school. How old are you, Jason, if you don't mind me asking? Look, I got to do the math. <laughs> 35, 36? Hey, the reason I asked that question is because, uh, Jason, you haven't even been with us, I think, a year now. Yeah. No, no. I had to kind of go back. I get teased by the team. They're just like, how long you been here? I'm like, hey, we, we just here now. We just facts, here. Facts, facts. <laughs> well, man, it's crazy because, you know, Jason has been in workforce development for quite some time, yeah. much longer than I have, even though he's younger than I am. And really, man, in a lot of ways, I've been able to glean from this dude, like just really respect your poise, um, your professionalism, you know what I mean? And just ability to navigate people. Um, one of the things I've learned in working in this space is that it's important to see the the gifts in other people that you may not possess in the exact same ways because those are the things that help make us better as a team, man. So just wanted to shout you out publicly, man. You're Appreciate a dope you, dude, bro. not just aside from being a, you know, pastor, a father, a husband, yeah. all of those other things, but just working with you side by side has definitely been a joy, a pleasure. It's been some frustrations, you know what I mean? But <laughs> not, not necessarily with each other, Man, but, you know, but overall, you know, just want you to know, man, it's been a pleasure, like, working with you and getting to know you and gleaning from you. So Same here, bro. I mean, gifting. I mean, like, you genuinely have a gift. Mm -hmm. And being able to see how you lead people, just with the influence and the heart and the passion, that's really what this work boils down to. Nice. We can put, you know, workforce development on top of it, or we can put education or leadership or whatever, but it really comes down to your influence. That's true. And 
Like that's something that helps me here, being able to sit back and see and watch you move. So I appreciate that as well. And let me do a quick rewind. Uh, see, it's the context part of it. But my wife Danielle, my son Desmond, that's my heart. So definitely, that's the definitely, way we go. Definitely, for sure. Well, that steers us right into this next subject. When we talk about workforce development, um, and not even necessarily defining it right now, but what brought you to this space? Man, what brought me here was just helping people. I mean, mm-hmm. I am the son of a, a cop and a pastor. So my entire <laughs> life has been, you know, rooted in serving people in one way or another. And this just happens to be one of those forms. So I've done it when it comes to financial capability. I've done it when it comes to collaboration and coalition building. I've done work when it comes to basic needs provision. I've done work just across the spectrum and workforce development happened to be one of those, but it's essential because Everybody needs some type of financial gain, whether Absolutely. that's employment, entrepreneurship, whatever. We all need that. So it's just, you know, they all work hand in hand. And it's interesting. Most people who get into this work, we get into this work because we're driven by a passion. Maybe it's a reflection of where we've come from, what we've seen, things like that. And I'm not talking about race, color, or creed. I'm mainly talking about experience, right? So those experiences tend to lead you to a certain type of work. I'm one of the people that believes that. You know, your purpose is inside of your identity. Like once you learn who you are, it leads to purpose and that leads to legacy and so on and so forth. You know, so when you think about workforce development as a definition, like what comes to mind for you? How would you define workforce development? I mean, that's hard right now because workforce development has changed drastically. And I don't Mm. think anybody has a secure definition of workforce development. If you would have said two years ago, three years ago, it would have been employment, making sure somebody has living Mm. wage employment and then whatever skills they need to at least maintain that employment. Mm -hmm. But in today's times, I mean, got a set of folks that aren't worried about employment at all. Man. That's not a priority. It's not something that you have to have. I like that. Let's pause because I want to take people back to what was three, five, seven years Let's ago. Go. You know, um, when you think about getting in this work and doing this work, whether that was five, eight years ago, mm-hmm. what what was it then for you? Then it was like an entryway. Like people were mm-hmm. just happy to enter into that situation. So it The same way in workforce development, it was the same way in financial capability. It was, oh, let's get people a bank account. Mm -hmm. And people were happy to say, we opened this many bank accounts, or I have my first ever bank account instead of a shoebox. Well, in workforce development, it was, I need a job. Mm -hmm. And because I need it, I'll take pretty much whatever you give me. Even if it's something that I don't like doing, I'll take it for now because I need the income. Or even if it's a situation or an organizational culture that's bad or my supervisor talks to me negatively, people would take that because they need that job. Exactly. And what's happened in that time span in those years is people just not, it's not enough to enter. Agreed. People want to advance. And it's interesting because it also allowed us, when you think about the development piece of it, it allowed us, one, to develop people for the workforce, mm-hmm. but also working with companies in development, helping them understand the workforce that they need, what workforce is available. So I think we found, for me particularly, we found ourselves working with justice-involved individuals. Right. And at that time, man, it was like dudes felt like there was nowhere to get a job. If you were a felon, it was almost impossible. Like people wouldn't look at your applications. People would look past you. And it really put us in a position where we could step in and remove some of those barriers because we had um, relational equity with some of these companies. And we could go say, listen, I believe in John. And I'm asking you to give John a shot because you trust me. 
And then we were building John, so John is prepared to go and work with that particular company. And essentially, we marrying two people. We taking a company who doesn't really know that John, just because he's been to jail, doesn't mean he's not qualified for your position. Doesn't mean he can't do it. In fact, he's probably better than the majority of the people that are there because he hasn't even had an opportunity. Right. So we trying to educate and develop the way that they think, but then taking John and saying, dude, you just got out of jail. You know, I know you're thinking about money. You're trying to survive. Let's connect you to something. But, but I don't want you to, to, to miss, and I don't want the listeners to miss what you just highlighted. You gave real-life examples, but they're all based off of the heart of Mission St. Louis, which is relationships. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a relationship with the employer, it doesn't work. If you don't have a relationship with the prospective employee, it doesn't work. Very so true. your character as a person, as a representative, as an organization, being the connector is just as important, if not more, than the employer and a prospective employee. Very true. All of this stuff is about relationship. And I don't know that pre-COVID workforce development as a whole understood that. Mm-hmm. It was, you need a job. I don't need you. But now mm-hmm. we're in a day and age where employers know, I need people. That's very, hey, it's crazy. I used to always say, one of the things that I wanted to stay away from and it's difficult working in workforce development is Working as a whole is not all of who you are. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's a reflection of who you are. So how do we encourage, challenge, push people without really wrapping all of who they are up inside of work? And for me, you know, as as a black man, it made me think about slavery. You know what I mean? Like we are more than just people who are just sent out to do a task for somebody, come home and go to sleep. You know, that's why when the summer is driven, we would try to part of that development was getting people to recognize their gifts, their talents. Like, what are they passionate about? What do they want to do? Because development wasn't just about let me make give help you with the ability to work. It was also let me help you recognize the skills that you already have. You know, many of the gifts that you even speak that I have, like coming from where I come from, like I didn't grow up. You know, I didn't go to school often. I didn't graduate high school. I didn't go to college. I didn't have any of those disciplines. So for me, when it came to working, working was all about making money. And what I found was if it was all about making money, whatever option was more to make money is what I would probably be doing. Once my career started to follow my passions and my giftedness, it changed my purpose for working. Yeah, I work to make money. I definitely need a paycheck. That's without a doubt. But I found that when I'm driven by something, those gifts that's been developed in me now, now I look for things that couple with my gifts. And that's the challenge that employers have today. A paycheck is not going to be enough. A benefit package is not going to be enough. Mm-hmm. You can get people that say, oh, well, I just need some money. And then you're going to get what that is. Like if they're, if they're not skilled up, if they're not ready, if they can't handle some of the soft skills, workplace conflict. You know what? You're going to talk to me like I'm crazy. I don't need you. I'll go over here. I'll start my own trucking business. You know what? I'll go and be a video gamer and make some money, <laughs> post some stuff on YouTube. Absolutely. Like, I'll start an OnlyFans. People do whatever they want <laughs> right. to do to get some dollars in. And I don't think, like, workforce development today is, I don't, a, a word I, I heard yesterday talking about work, workforce development was strained. Mm. I think it's even beyond being strained, being, mm. like, stretched without limits. I think workforce development is in a state of emergency because a lot of these companies don't realize how close they are to not being able to function. Very true. Only thing it takes is a mass exodus of the company. And even if your company still operates, guess what? You lose your essence because that's one thing like, like I I value people. 
Mm. Like organizations, brands, stuff like that. I, I get them. I understand them. I respect them. But it's the people that make you special. Very true. So if the people wind up exiting, guess what? The light that your business shined is gone with them. Man, you know what? I, I like to shoot elephants in a room. This seems like a perfect time to do so. Yeah. So I think about workforce development. I just kind of mentioned how, you know, five, maybe even three years ago, a felon felt like there's no way to get a job mm-hmm. because companies felt like we're not about to hire those people. Mm-hmm. So now you have a pandemic that hits. Yeah. You have a workforce crisis that blows up in everybody's face. And now the doors are open to everybody. Like a felon can walk pretty much into anywhere and find them. You, there's no problems finding a place of employment. The reason I'm saying this is an elephant in the room is because it tells us a couple of things. It tells us, one, you could have been hired these people <laughs> if you chose to. Yeah. Right. That's number one. Yeah. And it tells us, number two, that obviously these individuals have a, a workplace value that they may not even realize. So it's just interesting to see the floodgates now open when the needs of companies are there. When our argument in workforce development for the last 10 years has been, you need to hire these individuals because they they will work with your company. So so, so how, how real do we get here? Hey, this is that, say that to say this. Say that to say this, <laughs> all right. Well, they've already known that that population, those that have been justice involved, can work because that's all they do when they awake. <laughs> Very true. They just get paid pennies. <laughs> exactly. So, like, they already knew that that existed. I think it's more so about the perception that comes with it. Exactly. But now that you're in the need of desperation, that's why fast food spots say, hey, if you come apply with us, we'll hire you on and give you a $500, $600 bonus. <laughs> right. Like, seriously? Seriously? Somebody told me that they're starting in New York. But uh, Target's going to start paying people $24 an hour and trickle that down. I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. Uh, look, now, me, my wife keep me in Target. So I wanted to know if they had an Tar-Jay. employee discount. Right. Tarjay. Tarjay tells you what to buy. I'm just like, y'all got an employee discount? I got some family members or something exactly. that we're going to get in there because I need discounts. Man, it's just interesting to me, though, like, you know, working with individuals who used to feel like, man, we need to come to Mission St. Louis to get a connection to a job opportunity because y'all have relationships with these companies. And companies being like they're afraid to touch certain individuals, whether it's a background or whatever the case may be. I mean, drug testing, that's another elephant to shoot in the room. But all of these different issues that really put individuals who wanted to come home with the opportunity to work. Mm -hmm. Like they want to work. We're not talking about the individuals that don't want to work. They get out of jail. They want to go back to their regular life. Those aren't even the people we're talking about right now. That's right. So we're talking about the individuals who came home and wanted to work and could not find a place to work because employers didn't believe that these individuals would be suited enough for their particular companies. And now we're kind of just seeing that change as need has arisen. And it just, you know, to me, it just speaks to um, where workforce development is because that's created issues for us. And kind of just even when we're talking about our future and where we want to go, when you think about right now in the work that we do, what are some of the biggest struggles that you're seeing in workforce development? I think the biggest thing is the disconnect between employers and people mm. because the need is so great for more people it puts more strain on the people you currently have. So now you get somebody working their job and two others because you haven't filled another position that's open. 
Then you also have the other, I guess you can say component of it is the perspective of employees and what you're asking of them and not compensating them for. Hmm. So if you're not going to give me another shot, then don't make me go through all these different, why well, we got five, six, seven, eight different interviews. And then when we get in, you say you want to pay me $13 an hour. Like that's, that's not going to be worth it. And then like, we're at a point now, and I think this is one thing that I really enjoy about Mission and it's where we're, where we're going with the Beyond Jobs team and stuff like that. It used to be where you needed somebody to be like a spokesperson for you. Mm-hmm. Somebody to come in and be your, just like your ally saying like, hey, this is your credibility. Basically, you have your success coaches or whatever mm-hmm. co-sign on your character for you to get a job. Exactly. And then if something happened, people would run to you, maybe, but they would really run back to Mission St. Louis or your success coach. Now, it's in the point now to where people really don't need that spokesperson. They don't yeah. need that co-sign. Mediator. So they come in to us for the relationship, for the accountability, for uh, the the assistance in caring about them in their entire lives. Very Workforce true. development has to become comprehensive and not just a numbers aspect for a company or organization. It makes me think about, and I want you guys to kind of try to track with me. I often think about, and I'm going to use this as an analogy to kind of build on what you just said, mm-hmm. but... Um, you know, if you've ever been to Chicago, if you've heard anything about Chicago, they have a lot of projects in Chicago, Cabrini Green projects, things like that. A lot of those projects have been torn down. And I want you guys to kind of try to follow me. I'm going to try to help y'all kind of work project with builds. me in my mind. Yeah, project buildings. Okay. Yeah, we're talking about project buildings, buildings that were neighborhoods. torn down. Neighborhoods. So what happens is an individual that lives in the projects is really isolated to one particular area. In most cases, they do everything in that area. They shop in that area. All their friends are in that area. You know, even if they choose to sell drugs, they sell drugs in that area. If you're in the projects, it's one way in, it's one way out, right? You turn down the projects, and what happens is all of those people who are in that one community are now scattered around your city, right? Now, they're used to being in an isolated environment, conducting everything. Now, they're forced out everywhere trying to figure out how do I navigate these areas that I'm not used to being in. Why do I mention that? This makes me think a lot about workforce development. So you had these companies whose doors were practically closed to a lot of individuals that we've been serving for years, right? A need arises and now they open the floodgates to all of these people and you find these people in places that they normally would not have been in. Mm -hmm. But the most dangerous piece about that in my opinion is that you now have companies and managers trying to manage people that they've never been in the business of managing. There we go. Right. So what happens is now you have these companies that without even realizing it, they need additional support for the people that they're hiring because they're taking on individuals that they, yes, they need and even are qualified. But some of those individuals need certain soft skills. They need to be developed in certain ways, not because they don't possess these gifts is because they haven't been able to realize them. So in the same way with those projects, you turn down, people are scattered. They don't really know what to do. They don't really know how to move. In a similar way, you've had these companies open these floodgates and invite people in. They don't know how to handle or manage those people. They probably were already fearful of them. That's why they didn't hire them in the first place. So now you get those individuals in and you you don't really know how to handle them, how to manage them, how to communicate with them. And one of the greatest examples that I got, and I'll kind of kick it to you after this, is I remember talking to a police officer that policed on the south side. 
And um, it was a, a rookie cop. He was a white guy. And we got the conversion. He told me when he first started policing on the South Side, for those that don't know, it was a pro predominantly African-American community. He got partnered with the African-American police officer that became his, you know, um, what do you call him? His, uh, his partner? His partner, right. Yeah. So they started to go throughout the streets and they would run into, and run into families and he would see how this black officer would be interacting with these other individuals. And sometimes it would get loud, right? Mm -hmm. And the white officer would explain that he would become somewhat concerned or alarmed, right? And afterwards, he would have a conversation with this officer, his partner, and his partner explained, man, this is a culture thing. I know when I'm dealing with my people, just because a voice is raised doesn't mean that they're angry or mad or hostile. It just means that they're expressing themselves that particular way. He said, in order for you to be able to properly police a community, you need to know the people that you're policing. You need to know their mannerisms. You need to know how they interact. That way, when they make certain movements, you're not fearful because you know this is a normal interaction. And I say that to say it's the same with the employment world. As you begin to bring these individuals in and work with, which I really am encouraged by and I'm loving to see, we also need to be mindful that there's a way to manage, to work with, and walk with these individuals. I mean, people people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Facts. Uh, we have to be aware that there are differing perspectives for everybody coming in. So little things that you may not trip off of as an employer, trust me, those employees are because they're coming in from a completely different vantage point, completely different experiences. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I think everybody in one form or another has been guilty of is thinking that their culture or the way that they see things is the default way of doing so. Mm -hmm. And it's not. it's not. It's just your way. It's just your way, your circle's way. But when you open up the floodgates to other people coming in with different experiences, with different uh, educational backgrounds, with different you know life happenings and occurrences, mm -hmm. like you have to respond to them accordingly. You can't uh, respond to somebody with no kids the same way you respond to somebody I'm with glad kids. Glad you made that point. Somebody that has a sixteen-year-old. Dealing with them as an employer or a supervisor is completely different from dealing with somebody with an 18-month-old. Like, these are different things. Or if that you we choose to hire somebody with mental health, you're mindful that, okay, I know this. We go. chose to hire a group of individuals that have mental health issues, so you might not put them on the biggest machinery you got. And it doesn't mean that you're not, you don't believe in them. It just means that you're taking into consideration the position and that they're in. And you still want to be able to work with them in that context. And we also have to be willing to invest in those people. So exactly. you have to invest. And invest may not just mean dollars. It means more of your time. Mm -hmm. So something that you may have to explain to somebody one time, this person you may have to explain to it five times. So you have to show love and patience and care. People really struggle coming into it and not just looking at your relationship. If your relationship with your employees is a transactional relationship, you don't have a culture. Correct. You do not have a culture if it's a transactional relationship. Same, just like a marriage. There you go. It, it just don't. <laughs> it, it don't exist that way. Yeah. So you really have to spend your time realizing, and that's something that we're trying to do with Beyond Jobs. You know, I think people know the concept of it, but they need some help realizing that, hey, they're coming in to work here for this company, but since they're coming in to work here, now it's also my responsibility to serve them. Exactly. And that's great. That's a great segue into where we are now, you know, with Beyond Jobs and just thinking about how do we pivot? If I'm being completely transparent with listeners, you know, as we talk about workforce development, this has been a struggle for us as well. Like, yeah. how do we really love people? 
you know, and, and that changes in the same way that if you're in a relationship with a person, you hear talks about love languages. I may enjoy gifts this year, next year. I just need you to touch me. Right. So when you start thinking about serving people, as we try to pivot and think about, well, first, we spent a lot of our time being the connection, the bridge from an employer to an employee. Mm -hmm. Right. And now what we're finding is that a lot of employers have removed that bridge and made the access much easier. Kudos to you. We congratulate that. Thank we you. applaud that. Like we're, we're, hey, we're behind that 100 percent. The problem that we're finding is that now individuals are removing that bridge and those employers need that extra support. So when you talk about the pivot and where we are now, what does that mean for um, beyond jobs and how do we actually support not only the individuals who are working in these companies, but also these companies themselves? Definitely. So beyond jobs is always going to do what beyond jobs has done previously. And that's just loving people. Now, what does that look like? That's what changes. Mm -hmm. So we'll still be able to have people come in from wherever, just walk into our building and we'll be able to serve them. We do have a schedule, so make sure that, <laughs> you know, the alignment is on point with that. But they're going to be able to come in and they're going to get service and access to our traditional programs. Mm -hmm. But what I'm really excited about is this pivot. And this pivot allows us to serve people through a partnership with the employers. Mm -hmm. Previously, it was kind of like a stall. Because you had to come in, work with us to get access to the employer. Mm -hmm. Now it's going to be that's still in effect, but we'll have another group of people who can get access to us and the employer immediately. Mm. So we're going to be able to go into our employer partners and work with their folks on soft skills, on, you know, just whatever you can think about. That's literally what we're focusing on. Anger management, we're going to be talking about communication in the workplace. We said communication about six, seven, eight times the other day because we know how important that is. We're going to be able to sit down and do specific programming targeting to folks, not about how to get a job, which is something that we do, but more so how to keep a job and then how to elevate in your position mm. and to really hone in on your passions and match that with your work, because that's how you get employee retention. That's you so don't get employee retention, not in the way in which you actually want it, just by a paycheck. That's very true. I mean, every employer that we've talked to, even if you're listening right now, maybe you own a business. I believe a lot of employers right now are struggling with retention. Definitely. Right? Like, how do I not only get people, but maintain people? I know some companies, it's like, man, we just want you to come. Like, if you late, 30 minutes later, please just be here. Right? And we've kind of recognized that. And part of this pivot is to really sit down with employers and say, listen, you have a different demographic of people that you've now opened your doors to. And in fact, we believe that that demographic of people or people who you normally would have opened your doors to via a relationship with us. So essentially, we feel like if we can come into your company for your new hires and provide the same soft skills inside of your company that we provided for individuals inside of our building, you now have what we would call employer support. And what that simply means is not only are you really providing a job opportunity for these individuals, but you're building into them for your own personal retention, right? The three things that companies are typically concerned about. The bottom line is always money, right? How much money am I making? Number two, you don't make money if you don't have production. Like how, how productive are we being, right? And then number three, where are my people? 
right? So if your people are present, if your people are engaged and you'll have product productivity, if you have productivity, your bottom line will be met. If you don't have people, your productivity slows down and your bottom line is not met. That's essentially what we're talking about. So how can we as uh, Beyond Jobs step in, provide the proper support for your people? Right. So that they're they're dealing with these soft skills, conflict resolution, even the ability to be able to train some of your supervisors on how to manage individuals in a certain way. If we can get to the point where we're investing in people, there is no workforce development if we don't develop the workforce. Right. So let's invest in people that will lead to productivity, which meets your bottom line, which is the dollar. And, you know, we understand that. And if your heart is really about the people. And making sure that people are good, whether that be customers or employees, or whatever the case may be, then that's the allotment or the alignment that we have to move forward with. Mm -hmm. And that's what we really want to get to. We want to get to the, the root of the issue or what we've called it core. So core employer support is our new twist, our new programming arm. And that's working directly with these employer groups, having our staff put eyes on, you know, what does the workplace look like? Where will, you know, these employees be working? The employer gets to choose from who's already hired on who they would suggest to be involved in this program. And maybe it's somebody who may be, you know, struggling a little bit or somebody who's looking to advance, but maybe needs some additional training to help them to advance. The employer gets to work in partnership with our Beyond Jobs team to make this core employer support program available to them. Let me give you guys a good example. And um, I'm sure he wouldn't mind me using his name. I'm going to try to make this quick. Guy Marcel Ford came to our program. Amazing dude. I mean, had been to jail, all of those pieces, but really wanted to work. Came in. But if you met Marcel, his face, he does not smile. They're like, this dude is just a straightforward dude. Like, you don't want to have a lot of conversations. He's not, he doesn't like to communicate with a lot of people. His background, his experience means he doesn't trust a lot of people, but he is a hard worker. He came through our program. We got him into an internship. He was there every day early for his internship. He went to work. They hired him before his internship was over. He never missed a day. He was early every time he was there. I mean, absolutely killed it. So he came to me after about a year and said, man, I really feel like I can get a lead position or something like that, but it's not being offered. Right. And what I began to talk to him about was, man, you are the one of the hardest working guys I know. And I explained to him that management and leading is about people. It's not just about your work anymore. I was like, so I know you're not really a smiler, but you need to smile because if you want to be in a management or a leading position, you need to be inviting. Right. I, that may not be the thing you want to do all the time, but th that's a body posture you're going to have to learn. I need you to speak to people when you walk into your building. You know, you may not be the one who speaks to everybody, but say hi, speak, show your teeth. I'm saying all this to say that you had an individual who is prime to be perfect at your company. He just needed a few things invested into him to take him from one level to the next. Once he did that, man, he ended up leaving the first place. We got him a place of employment. Connect, he, he went from making $11 an hour to making $17 an hour. And those were just some of the small adjustments that he needed to make. But his experience meant that when he looks at people, like he's a little concerned, like, should I trust them? Should I believe in them? So he just needed to understand that once you enter into this next world, that means you're going to have to open yourself up in a different way. Now that took 
conversation. I'm making it sound simple, but we had a lot of conversations to get him to even try that particular piece. Saying that to say this, maybe you're an employer, you're listening right now, or maybe you know of a company that you know is struggling with retention, and but they may have really good workers that are present. They just have, they just don't have the time, right? Or maybe even the staffing, or maybe even just the programming to really invest in those individuals who are already in your company. So what we want to really be able to do is come in and meet with your Morsell and begin to notice certain things about him and say, hey, these are some things you need to work on based off your experiences. I see how you're engaging, right? You've been incarcerated for nine years, right? You're going to think a little bit different when you walk into a building and there's 100 people around you. Right. So those are the things that we want to be able to come into companies and be able to provide. And we believe that those particular things, based off the research we've done and also the data from individuals that we've worked with and what those retention rates look like, we believe that we could provide a, a particular type of support to employers that, man, I really think can change and will change workforce development as we know it. And even in what Jason just said, I mean, he highlighted the six E's of core, mm-hmm. the six E's. So. It's evolve your thinking to encourage your employees, all right? Then you equip your team to educate your employees. I know education is my thing, all right? And then expand your business to elevate your community. Mm. Those are our six E's of core. Evolve, encourage, equip, educate, expand, and finally elevate. Look, we are not going to get to six. We're not getting to elevate if we don't do the other five. Thanks. And what it's going to take is solid relationships, great character, and high investment. Mm. That's what it's going to take for workforce development to really be the powerhouse that it's supposed to be. It's going to take prioritizing people and letting that prioritizing be the prelude to the business success. I love that word evolve, right? I mean, because let's be honest, like a company's responsibility is not to be a social worker, right? Or that companies don't exist to meet people's social needs, right? <laughs> the unfortunate thing is that people's social needs impact your bottom line. They do. Right? So, and on top of that, anytime you can provide some type of um, development inside of people, like you're obviously going to see a better person. So when we're talking about this word evolve, we're really also challenging companies to evolve the way that they think. Again, not saying you should be a social worker or you, you have the responsibility to handle all the social ills of everybody that works with, the comp- with your company. But we do want you to think more about what does it really mean to invest in the people that work for you? That's what we're talking about. Investing in the people that work for you because that's going to pay back you're making an investment that's going to come back in return. And I think involving your, evolving your thinking and how you think about serving people is bigger, again, than your benefits package and how much they make. But it's about really providing that development so that they can grow within your company and giving clear pathways to that particular growth. And do what you do best. Do what you do best. That's why we're here. Mm-hmm. Partner with us. What can a nonprofit sector do to help you? Maybe what you do is tires. That's all you do is I sell tires. <laughs> well, I'm not asking you to turn into a social worker. I'm not asking you to do that. But guess what? We have social workers on staff right here mm-hmm. and we'll work with you as a team. So imagine this. You have all of the resources attached to Mission St. Louis at your disposal for your team. Now, that's one heck of an addition to your benefit package. Everything that we can provide, whether that be access to 
uh, counseling, legal services, financial institutions, all of the connections that we have. It takes things beyond the, hey, just come in here, clock in, clock out, and then go home, and we'll see you next week. And even be specific with that. How many individuals have you hired that's had a simple transportation issue, right? We know in St. Louis, like, our metro system is horrible. Right. So you got a guy who's trying to get to work. So he ends up using somebody else's coy, doesn't have a driver's license. And now he's locked up on his way to work. Now your production is slowed down. Well, we want to be able to step in. We're working with that individual. So now our legal team can help him get those warrants off of him. So now when he's on his way to work, he's not worried about being pulled over by the police, which means he makes it to his job on time, which means your productivity is where it should be. So it seems like a small barrier to individuals like us with certain with a certain level of stability. Right. So I get a ticket. I'm just going to go pay the ticket. You know, and if I have to go to court, I'm just going to do whatever I need to do in court. But if I'm already struggling to make ends meet week to week, I'm probably not going to make it to court. Not because I didn't want to be there, but. When I get there, I'm not going to be able to fix the issue, right? So that means I'm going to keep trying to go to work to make the money to eventually fix the issue. Well, what if you have a, a, a team like ours at Beyond Jobs working within your company and you have an individual who has that particular issue, he meets with our legal team pro bono, right? We take care of that particular civil matter. Now, the warrant that was, that was you know, prohibiting him from making it back and forth to work in a timely manner, that barrier is now completely removed. So now an individual who went from being late here and there is now consistent. And it wasn't because he didn't want, he or she did not want to be consistent. It's because maybe they just didn't have the capability to be, to do so. And our entire program is designed for and built upon relationship, which means you can't just access things. People can't just come in here and abuse the resources that we have absent relationship. So all of this is one big circle for us to ensure that everybody is best served because everything that we do, regardless of what it looks like in delivery, the starting part is hard. The starting part is hard. How can we best serve people? How can we make sure that people feel uh, valued and appreciated? That's what's going to keep your people feeling like you're being honest with them, feeling like you're being transparent, feeling like they're a part of decisions, getting buy-in. So then how do we get them into a situation to where they feel like this is really a work family and not just something you say because this is uh, diversity, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion month? Exactly. So we feel like we have taken what we've done for the last 10 to 14 years, 15 years as an organization, we're trying to compile that into a curriculum or have compiled that into mm-hmm. a curriculum that we can bring into your company to be able to serve individuals that are already there working, which means this opens the floodgates for those individuals in terms of resources that they can particularly access to remove barriers. Remember, our whole goal is removing barriers to sustainable employment. Right. So our goal has never just been about getting a person a job. It's been about making sure that they could actually keep their job. So we're not leaving our original focus. We're just pivoting where we kind of put our nail in the sand 
on how we focus. And we feel like part of that pivot is working with you. So we're actually looking for several companies to, to run a pilot with us. We have a couple that are already considering or have considered working with us with this particular pilot, which means we get to come in and provide this service, do some data kind of mapping and tracking to see the retention that's happening with the individuals that we're working with within your particular company. If you're listening and maybe you just know someone um, that has a, a company and maybe they need that type of support. Maybe you already know they're wrestling with retention. Um, Jason, what would you say to that em- to that employer? And then how could they possibly get connected to us? Where we can, you know, be able to provide some of those services for them particularly. Definitely visit missionstl.org slash e-core. So like employment core, e-core. Missionstl.org slash e-core to find out a little bit more information. Our team is eager to talk. We're willing to come in and do presentations. We just had our very first uh, focused employer summit where we had conversations discussing some of these issues, where we discuss hiring practices, where we discuss uh, communicating company culture. We really talked about like, hey, companies say that we value our employees. They're our biggest investment. But then we turned around and asked those same employers, what do you do to really invest in your employees? Like these are some of the things we want to bring to the table. So reach out to us. Let's have a conversation. Uh, We're right here on Grand. You know, Mission St. Louis, our Beyond Jobs team is well versed and ready to help and ready to serve in any way possible. And if you're an employer listening, please know we're not beating up on employers. We really just want to be on to assist because we recognize that workforce just looks different. So if you're listening again, accept the challenge, man, just to think a little bit differently about how you serve the individuals that work for your company. Again, not just dollar signs, not just more benefits, but really developing who they are, identifying their gifts, um, and then meeting certain needs and providing resources that also remove barriers. We believe that the more we can do that, the more we can sustain the workforce. And we know a sustainable workforce for all of us is a benefit, right? As it continues to open more doors, it means that your company continues to grow. And it means that we can continue to plug individuals into those opportunities as your company grows. I'm excited about the growth. I'm excited about the pivot. I'm excited about the direction because when it comes down to it, we're just doing what we do Mm. and we're just doing it in a way that includes more, which is exciting because we get the differing perspectives. We get the different industries. And one thing I tell people when we try to do collaborations as a whole, when I try to do them in my personal life, I just want you to do what you do best. Mm. Let me do what I do best. You do what you do best. And I promise you, we're going to serve others best. I promise you. It's interesting. I was having a conversation as we get ready to come to a close and I forget who I was talking to, but um, they were talking to me about the uh, technology age and just how things transitioned. And uh, we're just talking about a lot of businesses when, you know, receipts went from doing them by hand to using something electric or, you know, some type of Internet service, anything like that. And how a lot of companies didn't want to make that transition because they assumed that it was just a fad. Right. Right. So it'll eventually blow over. So the little mom and pops that said, I'm going to keep doing my receipts like I've been doing them. I'm going to hand do all my receipts. What they started to realize was that they weren't able to serve as many people. Right. Because they were using old technology to be able to serve those individuals, which meant 
that I couldn't provide the best customer service. So now I went from coming to your company regularly to realizing like, man, it takes me an hour to get serviced here. So I'm going to start going to this other company who's using these other means to maybe just take a receipt, to take my payment, all of these things that made my process a lot smoother, right? And um, a lot of those companies who didn't make that transition ended up failing over the course of time because obviously we know technology is just the way to go, right? I say that to say this, um, no pun intended. Um, I think that when we talk about workforce development, it's changing. Everything is changing about it. The way you invest in people, the way you build people, not saying that the tools in which you do it needs to change, but the way that we bring it to those people needs to change. And I believe for a lot of companies that really lock on to this idea of evolving and investing in people first, we're going to see a drastic change and pivot in workforce where you're going to see this inside of a lot of companies. This is an opportunity for companies to really kind of get on the front end of these things that are going to be, I guarantee, at least in my mind, will definitely be taking place in some way, shape, form or fashion. So keep your eyes on the lookout for for E-Core, Employment Core, and, and employer support, what that looks like for us as an organization, because that's primarily what our focus will be. Jason, any last last words you got for people? Say that, invest in people. To say mm. this, love people. That's mm. all I got. Well, man, we really appreciate your time. Jason, thank you for joining us. Josh, we still love right. you, man. We do, you we know, do. <laughs> you know, We still love you. I know Jason did a great job. And, Come on, you man. know. But that's what he do, you know. So, man, we really appreciate everybody for listening. This will be our last episode, man. So this has been a journey through all the individuals we've talked to. Just want to say thank you to board members that's been on, um, participants through the program, volunteers that have come and, you know, just jumped on a podcast and they've never been on a podcast before, right? And you can see it in their face if they scared. They don't even know how to talk into the microphone. This has been really a journey for us just doing this podcast. And I think one of the things for us that's being encouraging is even just being able to look back and see the people you've touched and the way that you've touched people and see the people that you've given opportunity with to just to volunteer and what that's done for them. So again, thank you to everybody that's been a part of the podcast this far. Thank you to everybody that takes a moment out to listen um, because we know it's a lot of other things you could be doing with your time and we greatly appreciate it. So say that to say this, we love y'all. Catch us next season and make sure you go back and listen to every other episode we drop. Holla.